Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Other You. I am your host, Dee. Thank you so much for being here. Today on the show, I have with me one Chris Millard. He hails all the way from the UK, uh, originally from England, currently lives in Scotland, in the Highlands. Um, there's that part of me that really hopes that the movie Highlander was true, and he comes from a long line of beheaders. And, uh, you know, he's just back home to claim his throne as the the one. He and his son, they host um, the Tuesday Avenue portion of the drive time show on the Nevis radio station there in the Western end of Scotland. He's been in it for a hundred thousand years. Welcome to the show, Chris. So glad to have you. Hey, how are you doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. So a uh, hundred thousand years, that's a long time to be in it. How's that been for you? Uh, slow going. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's uh, I've seen a lot of changes over the years, right enough. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's been an interesting ride. Mm-hmm can't say it's the profession that I would have necessarily chosen. I kind of fell into it more than anything else. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. I know it and I enjoy it. Excellent. So, yeah, 100,000 years. It does feel like it, that's for sure. (laughs) Right enough. A long time. Interesting you talk about Highlander. Um, A a lot of Highlander was actually filmed around the area in which I live. Oh, good. And yes, you are correct. I do hail from England. However, majority of my family are of scottish descent so i'm sure that somewhere if you gave me a broadsword i probably could behead someone excellent oh that makes me so happy do you remember the the show highlander from the 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 early 90s yeah i that was like one of my favorite shows it was a terrible watching it like currently as an adult going back and like oh why why did i like this so much but i remember as a kid i loved that show highlander it's interesting for me to watch now um, mm-hmm. because when I first saw that movie, um, I had never been to Scotland. So, um, oh. in, in fact, actually, I'd never been to Scotland until the year before I moved here, okay. even though all my family or sorry, the majority of my family are of Scottish descent. I'd never actually been. So hmm. for me to see Highlander again now, I see it from a totally different perspective because an awful lot of it was filmed in and around the area in which I live. Right. So, uh, you know, I watch these movies now and I go, hey, I know that place. Or, hey, ah, I know that place. Nice. And, uh, yeah, Harry Potter, of course, is another one that was uh, filmed in a lot of the locations yeah. around where I live. So uh, it's um, it's interesting to watch a lot of these movies from a completely different perspective yeah. than I had before. I did. Wow. So ha- you, you haven't been in Scotland then super long. Uh, we moved to Scotland in 2006, so f- coming up for 15 years now. Uh, okay. I think we moved up here in March or April 2006. So, yeah, up until that point, and, and oh man, uh, we <laughs> we came up for a vacation in the November before we moved up because we'd already made our mind up at that point that we were going to go because we had uh, my wife's sister and brother-in-law decided that they were going to move to this area. Oh. following on from a vacation they'd, they'd had. And we said, yeah, let's move as well. Oh, they wow. asked us, we said yes. Didn't know anything about Scotland. And we, we came oh, for a wow. vacation mid-November. And our children, who were young at the time, just cried 
cried and cried because of how cold it was. Oh, wow. Absolutely freezing cold. The snow, the ice, it was absolutely horrifically freezing. <laughs> it was, just, and, and yeah, we still came. Wow. Mm. Wow. So you have, you have the two kids? Yes, indeed. We Son have a daughter. Uh, okay. Yeah, we, we have um, a daughter, Zoe, who is uh, 22 now and has left home. Uh, okay. She's living in the big city. And we have our son, Andrew, who, as you mentioned at the top of the show there, still lives at home. And uh, we do our show on the local community radio station once a week. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So were they young enough to adopt a Scottish accent? or? Mm. Yes. Um, more so my son than my daughter. Well, yeah. Okay. My daughter, she she sounds Scottish to me anyway. Okay. Um, she's certainly it started off with the dialect more than with the accent. Okay. Um, and I, and I think I I've gone more down that route now as well. I I pick up a lot of the local dialect, but I do not have the accent. Whereas my son, Andrew, he has both dialect, accent, the whole works. Because he gotcha. he was uh, four when we moved here. Okay. So. Okay, yeah. so he's still, he was still, at four years old, he's still finding his voice, and now mm-hmm. just immersed in, okay, that makes sense. That yeah. ma- okay, so that, that makes, before we were on air, you were telling me how uh, he tends to um, pronounce the more, like, Gaelic-sounding, like, roadways Indeed. when you're doing the, the traffic report. That makes total sense. Yes. That makes total sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If, if ever you um, look at the, the place names for... Western Scotland, um, you will see the Gaelic names, and and the Gaelic language does not have the full twenty six letters of the alphabet, mm. which makes for uh, reading some of these names extremely difficult to say the very least. And right. so yeah, I I, uh, I stumble over them quite mm. often. That's fair. That is fair. So, is it so uh, Hawaiian? The Hawaiian language only has twelve letters. If I'm okay. Correct. And so they, they tend to re- repeat a lot of the letters uh, and sounds within words. So you can get pretty long words like uh, their national animal or not national. Well, I guess national. We'll say national. Hawaii was a nation before the Americans uh, stole it. Um, so their their national animal was a fish, and it's called the humuhumu nuku nuku apua'a, right? And so uh, it, it, it repeats humuhumu nuku nuku, right? And that like in there is is that found in in gaelic as well not so much um but you will find that um combinations of letters make different sounds as they would in the english language generally speaking so for example the letter v mm-hmm. in uh, nevis uh nevis in in english is spelt n-e-v-i-s right in gaelic it would be spelt n-i-b-h-e-i-s so that's that's a fairly straightforward one, especially if you're driving into the area because you know where you are. Okay. But there are uh, so, there are some names which um, like there's a, there's a place way out west on, um, called Aharacle, and if you actually read the place name in English, it would read as Acherackle. Huh. So um, yeah, there there are lots of okay just pronunciations and um, the the. The, the ways the, in which the letters follow each other in some of these just do not make any sense whatsoever. Hey, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't speak Gaelic, and um, I did try ever so slightly to uh, learn it when we first moved up. I thought it'd be a good idea, but I gave that up real quick. 
Oh man, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things to do when we have friends that have never been to the area before. Is uh, we always go out driving and try and get them to pronounce uh, the uh, the place place nice. names on the uh, <laughs> on the signs. That's great. It always makes us laugh. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Excellent. So, uh, for those of you listening, this is being recorded shortly after the holidays. Um, and so I'm going to ask him about his holidays and that's why we're talking about it two months later. Anyways, uh, how were your holidays? How, how was your holiday? Yeah. You know, considering the, the state that the world is currently in, the holidays were pretty good, good. actually. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was quiet. Uh, okay. we, um, were hoping to have had our daughter and her boyfriend home for the holidays, but, um, due to. Uh, restrictions that were put in place on traveling that didn't happen so we're mm. going to hopefully try and recreate christmas uh sometime in february when oh. uh, restrictions are lifted because um, i'm not sure if you're aware but as of midnight tonight we're going into a full lockdown scenario again mm-hmm. uh, which means that strictly speaking we're not to travel any more than sort of five miles from home oh wow um, which where I live is uh, pretty impossible because the nearest stores to us are sort of you know 15 miles away right. from home. So uh, hmm. yeah, so it, but it, it was quiet. However, it was good. good. Um, yeah, it was good. It was great. Nice good. bit of snow outside. You know, had yeah. all the Christmas lights as we normally would. Right. How about yourself? Uh, holidays were great. Um, this is uh, the first time that my wife and I were at home for a holiday in a whole bunch of years. Um, her, uh, we live in Illinois, her family lives in Ohio and we usually travel to Ohio for Christmas, uh, and new year area, unless I'm working on new year, then I have to come back. Um, but this was the first time that we were going to be here in Chicago for Christmas. So, uh, we got ourselves a little tree. We set up some lights in the house. We made it like a really big Christmas Eve dinner and then watched five diehard movies on Christmas day. Yeah, it was <laughs> phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Yeah, that, that's just the best Christmas ever. Yeah, although I don't recommend anyone watch Die Hard Five. Um, I hate it. It's terrible. Yeah, I, yeah. I regret that I watched. I can't, it. I can't see where you're going with that. Yeah, one. Uh, there are some things that I just need to leave alone. There's there's so many movies that are coming out now, which you know the franchise ended 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and they should just leave it at that. Yes, with the exception I would hasten to add of Coming to America, which um, <laughs> I am really looking forward to. Yeah. That one, that one could be pretty incredible. I saw snippets of it. So there are some movies that I get so excited about that I refuse to watch any preview or listen to any press. I'm just, I've decided I'm going to watch this no matter what. And so I don't pay any attention. This is one of those movies where I'm just like, Oh, I don't want, I I don't want to know anything. I just want to go in and cause you know, sometimes in the previews they spoil some of the best jokes. Um, and I just don't want that. So I, I, I kind of feel certainly with, uh, some of the Star Wars movies and things, by the time you've actually seen the trailers, you've seen the best parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you go in there with a lot of expectation about how good the movie's going to be. And then you walk away feeling kind of, you know, yeah, a bit it deflated. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. It's so yeah, I, I, I'm kind of similar. I try not to watch the trailers if I can help it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a peculiar, it's a peculiar way of of producing films so most big budget films when they're uh, made the trailer is done first right even to the point where um the when the the trailer house when they 
are given the information on the film, the script, they will come up with the trailer and then hand that to the production team. And then that team will film those bits first. So, yeah. So, and then from there, you know, they build it, which is why a lot of times you'll see things in trailers and then none of that makes the film. Right. Or like there are several parts where you're like, Ooh, that was interesting. And then you watch the movie and like, wait, what? That didn't happen. Or I didn't see this person. Or I didn't see that person. Huh. You know? So it's, it's, it is an interesting thing that they do. And so sometimes I I think that there's a little bit lost in translation when you get to the film because of what the priorities were in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've seen that on a couple of occasions where you go in there, expect, you know, you you kind of see a a really good part of a scene that makes you, you really want to go see that movie and it's just not there. Yeah. It kind of it kind of detracts from me because in some respects I'm actually sitting waiting for that scene to happen. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. that kind of puts me off almost paying attention to the rest of the film. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I get that a hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. So, Chris, let us let's get into your decision. What what is the the thing that happened in your life? where you made a choice and you've seen um, the effects of it since? You know, this is a a tough question to answer for me anyway, because Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know if, if other people feel the same way, but you know, when you try and look back on things that have happened in your life, Mm -hmm. a lot of it happens just by fate and a lot of things happened that weren't necessarily my decision to do Mm -hmm. but things have happened as a result of but i guess in in this particular instance um you know harping back to my uh i don't want to say my career choice because again it wasn't my career choice of being in it Mm -hmm. i i actually really did not get on with computers when i was at school I absolutely detested computers. I really didn't have a, a fondness for them. But mm-hmm. um, as I was growing up, I was uh, very well. I was I was a, uh, the only child uh, living at home in a single parent household. I had no confidence or whatever else. And actually, when I left school, was when I got interested in um, computing and stuff. And so I ended up um, pre-internet days. This is mm-hmm. um, of actually running a bulletin board and so for any of your listeners who are way too young and i'm sure all of your listeners are way too young <laughs> to understand what a bulletin board is a bulletin board is basically mm-hmm. um a computer that is uh hooked up to a telephone line if it, it pretty similar as if you remember the war games film mm-hmm. from 1984 so you have a computer that you would um, host files on and stuff like this so or you would dial into other computers for the transfer of information or for exchanging messages and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, and I took the decision to basically do something to relieve the boredom of being an only child at, uh, at home mm-hmm. um, and, and that was to put my time and energy into starting and running a bulletin board okay um, 
you know, lots of other kids of my age were out either playing football or out with friends and all that kind of stuff. But like I say, I was uh, kind of a, a loner, um, more interested in my own company than, than that of other people. And so I had to channel my, my focus. And, and it just so happened that the bulletin board was it. Okay. okay. So... <sighs> Yeah, that, that 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 was my decision. I could have I could have gone down the other route of uh, you know going out either playing football, mm-hmm. sorry soccer I should say. No, no, yeah, football's good. In the UK, I like that. Uh, you know, um, or, or or out partying with friends and stuff like that. And um, no, in, instead I kind of focused my energy into something that kept me indoors. Okay. Because I didn't like I didn't I, yeah I, I grew up very 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 lacking in self-confidence and so my decision was to find something that i could channel my energy to that would kind of prevent me from mixing with others okay okay i like that all right so how about how old were you oh crikey when When i started running a bulletin board i would have been in my very late teens or early 20s around about that time okay um so i was working uh left school um yeah but okay had uh one or two close friends but but that was it really so um i didn't didn't have much of a of a social life at all gotcha um in in the uk you graduate secondary school at 18 well if you like, <laughs> um, I mean, base, basically, you can leave school from the age of sixteen onwards. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, at, at the end of sixteen, you have the option of staying on to do some further education. Okay. First of all, in high school, and then you could move on to college if you so wished, or you could you could go straight to college if if that was what you desired, or you could go on to university. And but that would have been after college. Okay. So I decided initially that after my schooling had finished, that I was going to stay on in high school and uh, take my exams and everything else. But that didn't happen. Um, Soon after coming back into voluntary school, should we say, Mm -hmm. um, I quick. I quickly decided that um, I didn't like school anymore. Mm. I didn't like I didn't like the teachers. I, I wouldn't say I had a hatred for the teachers, mm. but it wasn't far off. Um, okay. I went to an all boys school uh, as my final high school, um, and it was very strict. Mm. And the the, the the teachers were very old fashioned in their teaching ways. And yeah, I kind of soon after going back uh, to my voluntary years in high school, decided it's not for me and I am going to leave. And so I did leave. Hmm. Uh, in fact, actually, I left very quickly. I, I, I left without discussing it with my mother. Okay. Um, I just went in to see the headmaster and said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going. Hmm. And he kind of, you know, tried to talk me out of it. And, you know, what do you think you're going to do with yourself? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go work at McDonald's. Because I was already working there part-time after school. And for me, uh, working in a fast food restaurant 
was a better option than staying on in school because I really didn't like it that much. And actually, I left school with the the most horrendous of qualifications, really. I mean, I did pass a few exams, but they mm. were bare passes um, mm. and, and only in the bare sort of uh, bare necessities of subjects as well. So um, I did not do well in school. Okay. Okay. That, that's that's actually not strictly speaking true. I, when when I was at school properly, I actually did really well. Okay. Um, and I used to do well in all the tests and all that kind of stuff. But when I went back to do it, and it was my choice to go back to do it, then I did not put myself into it. Hmm. Okay. Because I, I just I just couldn't bring myself to put myself into it, and that's when it just all fell apart for me as, as far as my. Um, proper education goes. Gotcha. So I, I came out of school with um, pretty much no qualifications and uh, nothing to speak about uh, with regards to um, any exams and, and, and the like. So, uh, I see. Yeah, I see. Okay. My, my, uh, my mother wasn't particularly pleased about the uh, the option. Right. But then, you know, it's, it's bizarre looking back on it because the school actually never got in touch with my mother to sort of suggest that this was my plan they kind of just said fine go do it <laughs> all right goodbye and that was me out i was i was out within sort of 15 minutes of actually going to see the the headmaster and saying i wanted to leave oh wow it was very okay. quick mm. wow all right yeah. okay so um so that means then you had been out of school for a, a couple years you're working in computers to invest yourself into something uh, to escape some of the boredom of being a little bit more reclusive, maybe, than some of the people around you. And yes. Yeah. Okay. So then you fell upon running a bulletin board, which sounds to me like a, what would be like a modern day uh, internet server sort of thing, something that hubs information and communicates back and forth. Exactly. Okay. That, that's pretty much exactly what it is. But, you know, where, whereas with the internet, Strictly speaking, anything that you host will be in a cloud environment. Anything mm. that you were doing uh, on a on a bulletin board or a BBS, as it would have been known, was all hosted on hard disks with inside your own machine, and you would be sharing information or, or, or gotcha. um, sending. Gotcha. It wasn't even emails back then, really, but you'd right. be sending sort of electronic messages, like little data packages. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I can dig that. I can dig that. So. Yeah, it, it was, uh, like I say, it was a good escape mechanism for me. We, the, um, my childhood, um, it was okay. Uh, my mother was um, not extremely unwell, but she had um, a psychological condition um, that kind of haunted her throughout the majority of my time growing up. So I spent the majority of my time from my single digit years mm -hmm. all the way through school kind of running errands a lot for her okay um and subsequently you know she she wasn't well off the the only kind of friends that i'd grown up with their parents were i wouldn't say well off but the, the children of those parents seemed to kind of get everything they wanted whereas we as a family struggled and and mm. For, for the, I can kind of think that's what made me a little reclusive, a little um, lacking in confidence and everything else, and wanting to spend my time alone mm. more so. 
as a child because I because I couldn't have the experiences or couldn't have the things that they had. Right. It was very difficult for me to be around them people because it's not even a case that they were showing off, but it was evident that what I had, what I was experiencing was nothing compared to what they had and what they were experiencing as part of their childhood. And that kind of made me very introverted. Wow. Which is, which is kind of how I ended up, like I say, even in my late teens, early 20s, being sort of self-absorbed in this this uh, sort of arena of computers, as it were, back then. So it, it, it wasn't even a, a love of computers at the time. It was more out of a, I need to do something that I can invest myself in, find something I can lose myself in that doesn't require... Uh, much interaction with others gotcha okay okay i can dig that Alrighty. and uh the job you said you um before you got into it and this was before we were on the air you were we were talking about um early work life you said that you you had uh taken a job with the government and then someone had seen some potential in you and then transferred you over Eight. to it right Okay. That's it. That, that's entirely how it started. Um, yeah, I, I I left McDonald's and I started working for uh, a government department. Nothing uh, secretive or anything like that. It was, mm -hmm. it was just a pretty basic government yeah. department. But I worked in an admin role, pretty much just doing filing and, and the like uh, day in day out. But I, I kind of got asked to computerize and that, this sounds a bit daft really because um <laughs> you know when we consider how computer computerized everything is today back then when i was working everything was paper it was it was all yeah uh, filed in filing drawers and, and the like you know even even the internal telephone directory was a, like a, a a booklet that some secretary in the typing pool had typed up and then the repro uh department had photocopied it and sent it around and i was basically asked to try and computerize initially the telephone directory oh wow okay and um <laughs> and, and yeah so it was actually um a, 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 one of the it managers that worked for that government department that um saw the potential based off of how well i'd done to uh, computerize this thing that sort of asked me to get more involved in the it side of things and then so so it was literally a kind of I obviously had an aptitude that I was unaware of, mm -hmm. um, and he asked me to go and work in his department, and so I did. And then that's how the whole journey started for me in in the IT world. And I was 18 when I first started doing that, and I'm you know 52 now, so it's been a long time that I've been in yeah. the IT industry. Um, wow. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, cool beans. So we got into into IT. Um, Outside of running your bulletin board, did you have any hobbies at that time? Well, not, no, not to speak of. I mean, for, for me, other than, other than computers, the only thing that really excited me was music. And, and I don't mean playing music. I mean, just like records, listening to okay. records, listening to music. Um, when, when I was, uh, but when I was growing up at school, I was your, your typical nerdy kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I was so weedy. I was so 
unfit. I was not a sporty type in any way, shape or form. And, and actually, uh, myself and another uh, student, we were so against sport, sports <laughs> that our sports teacher um, allowed us to basically skip sports every lesson and go out and go to the local shops for him to buy the latest records because he used to run the school DJ. No, sorry, run the school disco. He was the DJ for the school disco. So every year we'd have like three or four discos depending on the events and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And basically he would just send us out with money and say, right, go and get me all the latest records and all that kind of stuff. And that's what we used to do. And then we used to come back and we used to go into the drama room. We'd play them on his uh, you know, turntables and all this kind of stuff. And so for me, music records was uh, a great escape. Okay. So, yeah. Were you, to, were you a collector yeah. of records at that time? Yes, I, I would say so, actually. Um, yeah, I, I regularly had the top 10 uh, seven-inch singles of the time. And it used to be seven-inch singles that would be the thing that I was collecting then, really. Okay. I mean, it was really stupid. Considering the house, I say house, we lived in a masonette. Mm. Um, and... It, it was not a big place at all, but I used to have all these big cardboard um, stands from the record stores. They would give them to me because we used to go over there so often to buy all these these right. bits and pieces that they would give me all the, the sort of cardboard record stands. And I'd have them all on display in the lounge. You know, it, <laughs> why my mother ever let me do this is beyond me, really. Um, but but yeah, we yeah, outside of computers, I just used to play records all the time. That was that was my thing. Wow. Okay. I can dig that. What was your favorite type of music or did you just stick to like a stick to like the the pop or billboard top number? Back back then, um I would say that I mean we're talking the the 80s here. Mm-hmm. Um so for for me it was anything that was in the the charts. Um, okay. That was the, I mean I would listen to anything that was in the charts pretty much. Um so even now, you know, I have a, a great fondness for 80s music, although I would say now my uh, my taste in music has increased, I would say. So okay. I still listen to a lot of 80s music, although I now appreciate um, artists and bands that may have been around at the time that I wouldn't necessarily have listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I still collect vinyl records now. Um and uh yeah i I listen to a lot more and when i say listen to them a lot more i don't just mean play it and sing along i actually physically listen to the music and i physically listen to the words and everything else and Mm -hmm. now even now music has a much greater meaning to me than it than it did in the past but um but yeah the music is certainly something that stayed with me throughout awesome hit me with your your top three favorite seven inch singles from around that time Oh man, it, this is going to be quite difficult because I'm not quite sure um, whether the majority of your listeners would have been aware of the the kind of things that I was listening to at the time. But mm. I remember actually the very first seven inch single that I bought as a child was um, a single called "Kings of the Wild Frontier" by a group called Adam and the Ants, who were sort of a post punk um, band, okay, and uh, very popular in the UK. Um, they they went from sort of mid to late 70s all the way through probably till the 90s as 
the group that they were, Adam and the Ants. And, okay. uh, but even so, he as, a, as an artist now still um, does gigs and plays all the old stuff. Nice. Um, and then I was kind of into uh, groups like Duran Duran. Uh, I would have things like The Reflex or Save a Prayer. Uh, Spandau Ballet was another group um, that I would listen to. So it was all, all the kind of the standard Britpop, okay. if you like, kind of stuff. Okay. I'm into that. I'm into that. Okay. And, and again, you know, like them now, but um, I, I uh, listen to a lot more variety of music these days. You know, I'm more into, well, not more into, but I listen to things like Pink Floyd, Papa Roach, Metallica, uh, Dido, Prince, David Bowie, you know. Okay. So, okay, so there's a, a pretty wide variety of musical stylings now. Yes. Awesome. Because I've learned, I think, over time to appreciate the people, the music, the words. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think as you get older anyway, you and especially when, when um, you see some of the people that you maybe didn't listen to as a kid. Mm-hmm when they pass away people like david bowie people like prince yeah all this kind of stuff you know it, it somehow calls into question your own mortality and then something inside you just clicks and you pay more attention to their works and it's it's a shame i really feel actually quite guilty and quite sad that i didn't pay more attention to some of these people when they were alive yeah yeah you know yeah i got you i like i think i especially when I was young, I wasn't the biggest Prince fan. Um, and I th- when I was in high school, um, one of my friends asked me if I liked Prince and I was like, no, nah, not really. And he called me a bigot. And I was like, I, that doesn't make any sense. I'm allowed to not like somebody's music. What? And so from then I, I angrily chose to actively dislike Prince's music until like much okay. later in life into, into my thirties when I, started listening to his stuff again. I'm like, Oh, I'm so stupid. I missed out on all of this incredible music. Dang. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how, um, narrow focused, uh, we can be as, as, uh, youngsters. I mean, mm. I certainly in, in the UK, it was, there was always kind of like a, a musical rivalry between bands, you know, mm-hmm. um, certainly with, with girls and stuff, you know, you were either into Spandau Ballet or Duran Duran, but not both, you know, you'd be in one camp uh. or the other. And, and, just based on that alone, you would, you know, distance yourself from those other artists. Mm-hmm. And at, at the time, it was because it, it made sense because you were part of a collective or part of a group that were all about the band members and not necessarily about the music. Because right. it was all based on looks back then, you know, especially when you were, a, you know, a young kid and all that kind of stuff. You you liked the look of a band more than you necessarily liked the music, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm happy now that um, I will pick up an album or or a, a seven inch or something like that and listen to it now. Whereas mm. as a kid. I would have been embarrassed to say that I had listened to it because of who it was. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I gotcha. I think, um, one of the, one of the freeing moments for me in music was, uh, Dave Grohl, who Mm -hmm. he was talking about like, yo, if you like Britney Spears and you want to bump Britney, do it. Who cares? Like what you're going to like, you know? And, uh, I, not necessarily because I needed permission from, someone like Dave Grohl to tell me that it's okay to like 
whatever music I want. But it was it was really fun to hear, and that uh, kind of validated my own evolution as a, a fan of music, being more and more comfortable with liking whatever came my way that spoke to me. You know, so that's really cool because you know a lot of uh, artists will um, diss other even even other artists in their same kind of genre. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of rivalries, say, between certain mm-hmm. groups and stuff. And so it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear someone say, you know, just listen to whatever the heck you want to listen to. Yep. Whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel happy, mm-hmm. listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He rocks, by the way. Dave, bro, I, I saw him, uh, I saw the Foo Fighters live year before last. Uh, oh, nice. The first time. And, oh, man, they can play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoy... Um, I've seen a lot of his show, like a lot of their shows, um, uh, virtually and the, I really love it when, you know, they interact with people in the crowd. And I think one of the, the, the fun things about him for me is the way that he uh, musically connects with people. So like this yes. year when he and, the, um, that young girl were like battling, like doing mm-hmm. drum battles back and forth. I'm like, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's perfect. And that's, that's How on par amazing. with, you know, with him, they, there was um, I cannot remember the name of this dude, but there's this this um, Filipino guitarist, right? Who's known to be a guitarist who went to a show, had a little bit of a get up on, and was like, "Hey, can I, can I go play?" Right? And he's like, "Yeah, come on up here, whatever, let's do it," you know. And he's like, "You don't suck, do you? Please don't suck. You better not suck." Sort of thing, do you, you know? And the dude, he killed it. He shredded, right? And they were just like jamming. It was it was amazing. So like, I love that part of the Foo Fighter shows when they are like, "Hey, why don't you come on up here and you know play? Let's see what you got." And people like kill it. I love I love it. I love it. It's it's so cool. I mean, what a way to actually um, just connect with people. Really, yeah. There there are so many people that you go and see who are so so standoffish and uh you know just that they have like a stage persona where they seem to be one thing but then other than that they are just not and they just so disrespectful to other people and that so when when you see people like dave who Mm -hmm. who uh interact with people and and, uh, get involved with them oh man it just and it it, even as some i mean i i I, there's no way i'd ever be able to get up on stage and play guitar or drums or anything like that Mm -hmm. but for me as a viewer of that mm-hmm. I, i'm still interacting with that you know because I'm, yeah. I'm seeing something that's different to any other show that they've done right you know and uh even then that just makes me feel really good when i go and see that kind of yeah. thing awesome yeah so tell me what were your what were some of your hopes and dreams at that time or were you more focused on the now and not necessarily on the future oh man uh I wanted a girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, what, what teenage boy didn't, but I was never yeah. going to get one because, um, you know, I was just so uh, shy and introvert at the time. Right. Uh, I mean, I did have girlfriends. That's not strictly speaking true. I didn't, but mm-hmm. um, I, I had no... I had no dreams or aspirations for anything that I wanted to do for a career or life choice at that point. Okay. None. You know, I think when, when I was young and growing up, you know, every boy wanted to be an astronaut or a fireman or something else, you know. Um, although I, I always had a, 
uh, an idea about playing drums. Okay. I've always fancied the idea of being a drummer. Um, but again, growing up in, in A, the house that I did, in the place that I did, in the circumstances that I did, I would never have been in a position to do that. Um, right. So, uh, you know, I actually, I remember uh, buying a, a set of drumsticks from a music shop. And I didn't have drums, so I'd go home and I would, you know, I would, I'd beat them on the arm on the sofa and stuff like this or, mm -hmm. or on the chairs or, or, or just anywhere, yeah. you know, just because I had rhythm in my head and everything else. And I would kind of drum away till my mum shouted at me to stop, <laughs> you know, because right. obviously, you know, she couldn't hear anything other than drumming. In my head, I had the whole musical ensemble right. going on, you know, yeah. so for me, everything that I was drumming away at, you know, that, that was to music in my head. To mum, that was just bang, 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 shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess, um, you know, I, and it's it's funny because I still, <laughs> even age fifty two, I still dream about being a rock star, man. Nice, <laughs> I can dig it. I can dig it. Still dream of that fame and being on stage. I have no talent for that whatsoever, but I'd still love to be it. Sure. Yeah, there's something magical about playing music and seeing people like sing along or scream along or whatever. Yeah, I to yeah. I I can 100% relate to that. I was um. I was in a band for a while uh, and we did a, a little bit of touring ish here in the, uh, the area where I am. We played a few shows and such. And I always felt really good when people were like, like energetic and singing along with us. So yeah, right on, man. That's really cool. Yeah. So I've tell actually, me, go ahead. During this lockdown period, I've actually sort of t <laughs> I taken up the banjo, would you believe? Actually. Oh, nice. Man, I, I don't know what possessed me. Do you know, actually, I do know what possessed me to do this. I went to see, just before lockdown started in the UK in March, mm -hmm. my wife and I went to see Steve Martin and Martin Short. Oh, I was going to guess Steve play, Martin. Playing a live show in Glasgow. And they were supported by Steel Canyon Rangers. Okay. And, oh, man, those guys, they, they I mean, Steve Martin, obviously renowned banjo player anyway right. yeah and anyway we we came out of that that gig after that and my wife said yeah i'd like to play the banjo and i was going you know what i'd really have to play the banjo as well that's just so cool and then we came home and then like a couple of days later we'd somehow ordered a banjo <laughs> and so anyway slowly but surely i've been i've been trying to learn the banjo over this past sort of nine month lockdown period um wow. it's going slowly sure um you know i I, I really should be practicing more than I am, but unfortunately, you know, everyday life and work yeah. and stuff gets in the way. And I'm kind of still of that. Uh, there's still a bit of a, a reclusive, self-unsure, mm -hmm. lacking of confidence bit of me that does not like to practice in front of my wife and my son. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I'm going to practice, ideally, I'd like to be out the room, okay, out of the way somewhere. But that's okay. not always possible. So, um, but no, I, I hope. Uh, that um, I can lick this. That, that'd be something. Because actually, my my boss at work, he he decided to do the same thing during the lockdown. <laughs> He's learning mm -hmm. banjo, so we've said, you know, once this is over, we'll start jamming together. Yeah, some sweet so dueling banjo action. Going, what the heck am I doing, man? I don't know what to do with this damn thing. But no, it's it's uh, That's great. it's interesting. It's it's uh, yeah. I think I, I guess everyone's taken up something yeah unusual during this time. Yeah, something would. Do. Yeah, I started a podcast. 
So I totally <laughs> understand that. The <laughs> worldwide reaching audience. Yeah, that's the plan, man. That's yeah, the man. plan. I have a friend in Australia. I'm desperately trying to get on the show, just because I want like I want to cover as many bases as I possibly can. So sure. Yeah. Oh man. All right. So tell me, what was your what was your favorite quirk about you from that time? Oh boy! Oh boy! Do you know, honestly, I don't think I could say that I have a favorite quirk. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, I really couldn't say that I have a favorite quirk. There are lots of things about me that, in hindsight, I really don't like about who I was back then. Okay. But at the time, I wouldn't say that I have any quirks that I was particularly fond of. Okay. Okay. I can dig that. Um, was, uh, did you have any, like very, were you very particular about ways that you had to do things? Right. So for example, one of my buddies, um, every time he approaches a staircase, he has to start and end with his right foot. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, there are, there are things that I have (laughs) OCDs over now. Okay. I, I didn't back then. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it, there, there are funny things because I remember uh, living at home that whenever I would walk up or down the stairs in our place, mm-hmm. I would always count the stairs. Always. Okay. Uh, so it was never a case of I had to start with one foot or the other, but I would always count. And you know, it actually, I, I still do that on a lot of occasions in the house I live in now. I count the stairs. I don't know why I do that. That just seems to me a bizarre thing to do. But no, I, I, um, I, I counted the stairs. I used to do that a lot. That's so funny. So I've, I've only ever counted stairs uh, at work. And I, okay. I, I'm, I think it's because I just want to know how many steps it's going to take me f- to get from one end to another. And especially working, I, like I've worked in bars and restaurants. So I like to know, okay, uh, if I'm at the, the bar on the second floor, uh, and I have two flights of stairs. How many stairs is it before I get to the bar downstairs? And for no, for no reason, none at all. I mean, it's sure. But I, yeah, I, I, I count those stairs just so I know. Uh, but that that started um, at my house, my, the the house that I was uh, that I grew up in. Um, Twelve steps, little landing, two more steps, and that's from the ground level to uh, our back door. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I love that. It, it, it does come in handy every now and again. You know, I'll mm-hmm. be carrying something down the stairs. Of, uh, you know, I can't see where I'm going, but actually now that I know how many steps there are, I can. You just count, count it out. Yeah. So yeah. That's cool. You know? Yeah. So at, at, that's, but, that's, that's true. At my wife's family's house uh, in Ohio uh, to get to the basement. And so uh, it, when we visited them a couple of years ago, uh, we stayed down in the basement um, and so we, if we were, if it was late and I was too lazy to turn the light on, um, I would just, I, I counted the steps. So it's eight landing eight to get downstairs in the dark. So I didn't like yeah. biff. So yeah, that's a, that's a, I, I love that about you. I might just use that in your story. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, uh, that being said, one more, one more quick tidbit. Uh, I remember we talked about this um, in, in like the, the pre-interview portion um, 
one of the the facets of your bulletin board is it introduced you to a currently your your longest your oldest friend right oh man alive i'll tell you i am so grateful for this this guy in my life Mm -hmm. you know in in I, I, I guess as, as Americans, you know, you, you guys always sort of show your affections for people and, you know, you have no qualms about, you know, saying to guys, I love you and all that kind of stuff. In, in Britain, it's completely the opposite. You know, whatever you think about Brits with the stiff upper lips and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you're probably true. <laughs> but man, oh, I love this guy with all my heart. You know, yeah. he is, he is um, just a true, true, lovely, kind friendly funny guy and if it was not for this bulletin board i would never have met him Mm. you know and and when you consider that this was all before the days of the internet Mm. the chances of actually us two connecting is i don't even i don't actually know what the odds would be it's Mm. just it's such a bizarre coincidence you know such a bizarre happening right but you know this guy has changed my life without a shadow of a doubt he he's he's one of the guys that i would aspire to be like and in fact i do aspire to be like him you know he's open he's funny he's generous he's loving he is just the best person outside of my like immediate family that i know and i do strive to be like him mm. he's he's just had such a positive impact on my life and he probably for me was the turning point from my total reclusive uh self unassured person mm-hmm. he, he was probably the first person that started without even knowing that he was doing it mm-hmm changing who i was then and who i would ultimately become wow wow okay and i and i consider myself ever so lucky to be able to say that because you know i i i don't think well i mean there, there is no other person that i that i could honestly say i love as much as this man in my life he is just my best friend and if if anyone in the world was fortunate fortunate enough to have someone like this that they loved as much as him as i do in their lives they could everyone would be so much happier mm-hmm. he's just the loveliest person ever oh awesome and you know to, to this day it amazes me you know we've we've known each other since uh, the early 1990s mm-hmm. possibly even the late 80s but when I consider, I mean, he's, he is the longest running friend that I've had. And, uh, you know, because of him, I ended up getting married. Not because of anyone he knew, just because of how he changed my confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids adore him. My wife loves him. And I've made so many friends off the back of him through visits that I've had to America that mm-hmm. uh, I don't know where I would be today if 
I had not have met him. Hmm. He, this guy has just had the most profound impact on my life, and he probably doesn't even realize just how much of an impact he's had on my life. And yet, you know, we converse often, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, we quite often tell each other how we feel about each other, you know, and, and whatever. Um, but yeah, oh man, it, it, when when I look back at how things could have gone. Mm-hmm. So, to be honest with you, some some days I wonder how I'm still alive. Um, wow. You know, there I've had some real dark times throughout my adult life through nobody's fault. Um, uh, ju- just because of the state of the world or the state of things that are going on around me and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, and... I think of him and I think of my wife and my two kids and mm. they often bring me mentally out of a dark place. Okay. So I have to thank him for everything really. Mm. He is, he is, uh, he doesn't know it, but he is my mentor mm. in life. He's the person I want to be. He's the person that I'd love my kids to be like. Wow. But yeah, it was, it was interesting, you know, um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't hundred percent recall how it was that we ended up getting in touch with each other, except for he ran a bulletin board mm-hmm. in Kentucky. Okay. And I ran a bulletin board in uh, a suburb of London, which is where I lived at the time. And I'd already been involved in computing on a hobbyist basis for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, this was this is where I was channeling all my energy, all my um, focus and everything else. And so I became involved in uh, not necessarily writing software back at the time, but I certainly had a, a hand in um, supporting uh, packages and bits and pieces that were being used by both he and I on our own bulletin board systems mm-hmm. and um, he had a technical support type kind of question about this package which it just so happened to be that I was able to help him with mm. that was our chance meeting that is how we met and then you know based off of that we communicated uh, a few t- <laughs> a few times now, I have to say this. Um, oh, my gosh. I don't even know how I survived my years at that time, really. Oh, I got into so much trouble. Um, <laughs> living at home okay. uh, with my mum. And if you think about how your internet service works now, you pay a standard monthly fee and you get your internet. Right unlimited you know all you can eat data you can view what you like and yeah. everything back in these days you th- this was before toll-free numbers in the uk oh, uh, no. for, for, for uh, dial-up and so when you were dialing into someone's service you were direct dialing that person's house oh. so when i was dialing into <laughs> his bulletin board in america i was doing a long distance call from the uk to america oh my gosh like 1990s okay 
I I ran up a telephone bill in one month of over two thousand pounds. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no! I got into so much bother for that. You I'm would not sure. believe. I mean, holy smokes! Oh, I, man, I don't even know. I, I I something in my brain must just kind of like crashed because I don't know how we got out of that situation. I certainly couldn't afford to pay it, and neither can my mum. Right. But somehow we got. I, I just don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened. But wow. we still ended up there. That's oh, like geez, I... that's like when you hear stories of of kids playing on their parents' cell phone, and they're playing a yeah. game, and then the parent gets the bill at the end of the month, and they're like, "Why is my phone bill eight hundred and fifty dollars?" You know, it's because yeah. you know their kid has been buying extra lives on Candy Crush or whatever. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's amazing. But I, yeah, but I mean. Two thousand pound back in the nineties, so you know, I don't know what the exchange rate was then, but I yeah. think it was almost double. So it would have been about four thousand dollars for a month's worth of oh, wow. back in the nineties. <laughs> but hey, you know, nice. we live and we learn. Yeah, but you know, th- this was it. You know, we we struck up a really good friendship, yeah. and uh, in hindsight, that was two thousand dollars well spent. Two thousand yeah. pounds well spent. But, I'm into know, that. We. Uh, we ended up becoming pen pals and uh, we would write each other on a regular basis. We would send each other weird crap. You mm. know, I'd get things like Kool-Aid packets or nice. um, pin badges and stuff like that. You know, all this sort of stuff that you don't get in the UK. And I would send over stuff from the UK that you wouldn't get in the US. Yeah, it's all wow. different now, of course, you know, yeah. because you, know, you just you go to Jungle Gyms and you can get whatever you like that comes yep. from the UK. It will be mm-hmm. for a premium. And likewise, we have what we call American on American Isles in the in the supermarkets over here where if you yeah. want to go and spend probably what must be about $10 on a box of Twinkies, you can do that as well. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Worth, worth. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah, what's, that, um, we, what's his name? Sorry. What is, uh, what's his name? Oh, th- this fellow goes by the name of Andrew Vogel, Andrew uh, Vogel. known affectionately to his friends as Drew. Excellent. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I, 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 uh, I, like I say, we, we wrote each other a lot and, um, I actually went out to visit Drew mm-hmm. and his wife at the time back in 92 or 93. Mm. And that was interesting actually in its own right, because, um, I had only ever been to a couple of different countries in Europe, either as part of a school trip, I went to France. Right. And I actually went to visit my brother out in Germany, but it was, you know, staying either with people that I knew mm-hmm. and going out with people I knew. Yeah. Um, because I went out with my mum to Germany and went with school friends to France. But when I actually, when I went to America uh, for the first visit, I had never traveled outside of the country on my own before, ever. Whoa. And I remember, I mean, I, I was absolutely diabetic terrible with money back in those days i had no preconception of the value of cash right you know i just whatever i earn i'd blow on stupid crap yeah you know just rubbish i'd go and spend it on records or clothes or whatever you know and i think i even probably smoked yeah i did i was a smoker back then as well okay and uh so i remember actually we we talked about me visiting and I was so up for the idea and 
I went to a local travel agents and booked my flights to Kentucky. And this was back in the day where you could pay a deposit on your flights and you had to have the remainder paid within about eight weeks before you flew or something like that. And so oh, it took okay. me close to a year to actually pay for my flights. And so every month when I got paid, I would walk to the travel agents from work and I would hand over the next lot of cash that I could afford out of my salary. And that was my first big purchase. And it wow. was an airline ticket to the States, you know, and it was a lot of money Yeah, I'm sure. uh, for someone on such a small wage from a, a small government department, you know. Mm. So, like I say, it took me almost a year to pay it off. But um, that was that was such a big thing for me. Um, I mean, a, a for the fact that I was traveling so far on my own. You know, I never even owned a passport before then. I had oh, to get wow. everything. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was a big thing. And, and uh, like I say, this, this was a guy who, unbeknown to him, mm -hmm. had uh, given me the confidence to make that journey because, you know, it, if it wasn't for him, if it, if it could have been anyone else, I may not have had the courage to, to do that. And, it, and, it, and for me at the time, you know, as stupid as it may sound, it was a courageous decision to travel halfway around the world to go and visit somebody that you'd never met face to face right. in, in a country that you didn't know. Yeah. You know, anything that happened, really. Right. Oh, man. Oh, man. I love that. I, I was like, I was when we when we spoke about this the first time, I was like, I was super moved by the by that idea. I think like growing up uh, on AOL Instant Messenger in the 90s, you know, trying to connect with people and such the idea of making a friend and actually sticking to it, because I up until that point, I had had a couple uh, pen pals from different places that, you know, existed in my life then for, I don't know, a few months, but nothing that ever really persisted. So the idea of making yep. a pen pal and it like turning into like this real meaningful relationship, I thought was uh, amazingly fantastic. Um, there's, I mean, there's no guarantee that the, the way that it like comes to me, the story that uh, Drew will make it in. I just wanted to have that as part of this, um, just to introduce people to how impactful he was uh, in your life. And just in case he shows up, you know, um, people uh, were introduced to him and, uh, yeah. you know, via you. Um, but that being said, I think we have uh, a wonderful, wonderful um, lot of information from which we can pull some things and create a pretty interesting story about other Chris. Um, I'm very oh, excited to, so yeah, I'm very excited to write that out. Um, okay. So what we're going to do now, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to a little bit of music. When we come back, we, I will read Chris, the story of other Chris, and we'll have a quick chat about it. Stick around.
Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that music. That was Bug by Meter. If you want to find more music by them, please feel free to go to freemusicarchive.org and a bunch of their stuff is there. Um, I'd like to reiterate what we learned before. My guest, Chris's uh, social media, if you'd like to follow him, is at Richard Mills Official. Yes, his name is Chris and his Instagram is Richard Mills Official. Um, is there a story behind that? Uh, do you know, you, you sometimes lay in bed and you've got the right the iPad or, or your computer and that, and you just search for weird, weird stuff or, or weird stuff just pops up on your timeline or whatever. Anyway, I, I don't quite remember why I was doing this, but I was looking up anagrams. So I just found an anagram site and uh, for the sheer heck of it, just typed my name in. And uh, it just so happened that Richard Mills turned out to be a perfect anagram of Chris Millard. And I've, I've uh, enjoyed doing photography for oh, many years. And it, it just seemed like an ideal opportunity to kind of publish my work on social media, but at the same time kind of distance it from myself a little, if that makes any kind of sense. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's a bit in the third person as such. So, you know, I, I post as Richard Mills official um, and I like reading the comments. I like seeing the likes and everything else, but at the same time, it kind of still feels a little bit disassociated from myself in some weird way. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So just, that. just, hmm. Cool beans. Yeah, so if you want to check out his photography, um, at Richard Mills Official on Instagram, give him a, a follow. Check it out. Cool. That being said, we are ready for the story. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do, do you know, I'm so excited for this. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, so we're going to read this story, and we're going to have a quick chat. Um, here goes. This is Other Chris. Sunlight pokes through the drawn curtain of the second floor flat. The maisonette's tiny window allows just enough light to bathe the room only dimly. It is lit enough to see the tightly stretched hide fastened at the edges of the stainless steel hoop sitting comfortably in other Chris's lap. As the sun rises, the ray of light poking through the curtain crawls along the floor until it finds other Chris's teacup. The steam rising up from the recently boiled water carries with it the scents of morning tea. The oat milk lightens the hue of the otherwise dark breakfast blend. Other Chris stares sleepily at the cup, finding a rhythm in the moves of the barely visible steam. Exhausted from an evening of practice, he finds himself rejuvenated in this brief moment and begins rapping on the small snare nestled comfortably between his legs. Right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. Other Chris mutters to himself. Taking breaths in time with his alternating paradiddle, he switches grip on the tussock sticks, going from manipulating them with his fingertips to hinging at the wrist before finally moving to hinging at the elbow. Emulating the pattern of the sways the dancing aroma is making, Other Chris composes a song he will lock away in his mental vault, effectively forgetting and never playing again. The tiny room in his mind has locked away hours and hours of grooves, jokes, shower thoughts, musings, snapshots of happy moments, fears, trauma, friends, family. Each of them is scrawled up and down the walls, along the ceiling and floor, and some of them even float about aimlessly. Occasionally, other Chris will take with him something to store away and will sit for a moment, enjoying a momentary deluge of emotions, emotions, uh, memories, inspiration that envelop him as everything he hides away desperately clings to life. As it has become custom, he brushes them off, clears his mind, and pushes that vault back down out of sight, out of mind. 
some time later. Other Chris, drowning in the tedium of his administrative data entry duties, is lost in the sounds of the heater rumbling off to the side. He clacks away at his keyboard in a syncopated rhythm while he softly hums the words he enters. Other Chris, yes, what? I'm sorry. I was hesitating, searching for the right word. He continues after a moment, engrossed. You have to find joy in the work, right? How may I help you? Kerrigan stands with arms crossed, her face with a quaint measure of disapproval. Annoyed, she had to repeat herself. Shortly responds, boss wants to see you. I don't know why. He just asked me to let you know. Other Chris abruptly stands, but is interrupted by a change in the rumble of the space heater at his feet. Please, just one moment. Other Chris utters before sitting back down and quickly typing two more paragraphs to the sounds of the heater. Why do you type so weird? One second, almost finished, he instinctively retorts, protecting his momentum. Whatever. Look, boss sent for you. Book it, yeah? Demands Kerrigan. She exhales aloud before turning away from Other Chris's desk. Her long, straight hair tumbles down her shoulder, sways along her back, and then bounces from right to left with each step as she quickly walks back to her desk. Other Chris looks up from, looks up and watches intently as she goes, counting the steps from his desk to hers, memorizing the tempo at which she walks until she stops at her desk. He briefly pauses before depositing the moment in his vault and returning to his keyboard to finish the groove at his fingertips. Other Chris, content he has let the rhythm run its course, heads to his boss's office. He walks the sterile hallways of the small local government office. The off-white USG dropped ceiling tiles mirror the faux-marbled flooring tiles absorbing his metered footfalls, creating a drab, stale, sad office space sandwich. Other Chris approaches the door of his boss's office and knocks five times to the rhythm of Terminator. Thump, 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 thump. Other Chris's boss, simply called Boss around the office, has a permanent scowl. His brow is at all times furrowed, but belies his tenderness. Thoughtfulness and compassion live in his gaze and fall from his lips. He's known as reserved and is as often feared as he is revered, which suits him. Other Chris, you've been doing some pretty good work, sometimes a little inconsistent with the timing of your submissions, but otherwise, great work. You seem to have an aptitude for technology. I would love to move you to the IT department. There are only two people there now, and they often get overwhelmed with work, so I think you would be a fantastic addition. You start there tomorrow. Boss f flashes a smile and returns to his examination of the reports on his desk. Other Chris, taken aback, blurts, Boss, are you sure? I don't know much about IT. I don't, I don't even know what that stands for. What does it stand for? Boss suppresses a chuckle. Information technology. Look, I've been doing my job for years, and I'm well-versed in my employees' capabilities. I regularly assess them and reposition them as they might be best suited. I know my onions, so head back to your desk. Finish up today's work and enjoy your last night in the admin pool. Okay? Cheers. Grateful. Other Chris smiles widely, connecting immediately with the notion that his boss saw him. He truly saw him and found him to have a higher potential ceiling than that was achievable at his current position. Some time passes. The recent release of Coyle's LP, Love's Secret Domain's single, The Snow, has stirred inside Other Chris relentlessly for weeks. Occupying his thoughts whilst awake and his dreams at night, he struggled to focus on anything else. Frustrated and determined to put it away, Other Chris crawls into the recesses of his mind to retrieve his vault. As he is wont to do, Other Chris pauses for a moment and sits quietly in the center of the room in his mind. He opens his hands and lets each scrawling fall from the ceiling and walls and float, hopefully, to his open hands. They flit about the room, slowly making their way to his head, shoulders, lap, and hands. As they make their way to his person, he's flooded with memories, thoughts, questions, emotions, ideas. His hands begin to burn. 
His fingertips are scalded, his palms charred. He yelps aloud and jumps to his feet. With clenched fists, he flails about, shooing everything back in its place and darts out of the vault. In his mind's eye, he looks down at his hands and he took something with him. He remembers the first time he was inspired to play music. 1980. Adam and the Ants, Kings of the Wild Frontier. Two drummers, standing tall, beating away to edgy British rock. That desire etched itself into his hands and began to move within him. A fire was lit in other Chris's eyes and an idea was born. He rushes to his computer, flicks it on, and while it boots up, grabs a small legal pad of paper and his favorite Vic pen. He maneuvers his settings until he finds his bulletin board and connects again and again, doing so seven times in as many minutes. The slow dial-up modem typically takes 45 to 55 seconds to connect and screams the songs of its people the entire time. The beeps, burps, honks, sizzles create a unique collection of sounds. Other Chris has been feverishly transcribing the near minute-long sections inspired by his recent 7-inch, The Snow. Time marches on. The host of The Man on the Moon's open mic reads his small list and calls up the next performer. Other Chris sheepishly approaches the mic, eyes firmly focused on the ground before him. He notices the cracked tiles at the edge of the stage. Nervously, he says softly, This is my first time performing here at the Friday Disco. I don't sing or anything, but I do make drum beats. What manifested from his incident with the marriage of his love for and desire to create music with his habit of syncopating his fingertips or foot taps with the sounds around him evolved into an ethereal array of transcendent sounds. He continues, I think you like these songs because they were inspired by the flittering of light from the stars. I tabulated the rhythms of their glowing and put it to music. He connects a small drum machine that has been manipulated to resemble a modem. The silence in the room weighs heavily on his ears and his heart is filled with uncertainty. Slowly he lowers the mic to the speaker end of his drum machine. It has a short power cord so he has to keep it low to the ground. He holds it about mid-thigh and leans over with a curved back, never lifting his head. He clicks play and the small machine begins to beep, burp and chime and leads into a wave of thumping bass and haunting melodies. He quietly bobbed his head to the music the entire set, keeping his eyes either closed or intently trained on the cracks and the tiles at his feet. When the final note of the last song fades into silence, Other Chris lifts the mic to his mouth and softly says, Thanks. He lifts, lifts his head and looks out into the crowd, satisfied. The end. Wow. I kept my eyes closed through the entire thing and I could almost see... <laughs> the stage and the cracks yeah oh great wow that is so cool oh man that is so cool right on listen I, I thank you You're I mean, it, it, just just thank you i mean it's 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 amazing it really is amazing awesome were you were you do that. Were, were you were you able to see yourself in the story was able to catch very them much okay. and and uh even in the uh opening there of the uh the second floor flat of the masonette and that you know i, I kind of closed my as i said to you i closed my eyes throughout the whole lot and and i was i was kind of picturing your uh story in in the place that i grew up in mm -hmm. so uh, i was actually able to see myself in that in that room again oh Good. But but kind of following your story at the same time, I was so surreal. Awesome. Bizarre. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Man, that is, that is really, really cool. 
and I really do appreciate you doing that. Yeah, no sweat. No sweat. Do you have you ever uh, been to Man on the Moon? Uh there is, there is a a pub called the Man on the Moon. Yeah. Uh which is uh close to where I used to live. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I've been there a few times. Um it was a dive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, yeah, it's it's uh it's somewhere that you wouldn't necessarily want to frequent on a regular mm-hmm. on a regular basis, but it was uh, it was local enough to go there a couple of times. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, small, very dark, dingy place. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, when when I was growing up in that area uh, and, and in that particular time, smoking mm-hmm. was very much still allowed in in bars and pubs and stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it was always really uh, dense cigarette smoke as you walked into these places so not only did you get the stench of the of the beer and the and the ale and stuff but also with the 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 strong smell of cigarette smoke as well yeah there's a a better place there's only like one place still left in the city that i know of it's called like richards and it's Mm -hmm. like a dive bar where there is smoking so it a lot of people will go out for the night and they're like hey let's go to richards get a cheap beer and just smoke (laughs) but why why you know yeah it's just a thing you know and then from there you go to the 4 a.m bar you get some greasy food and top off the night with all the good decisions good yeah sounds great i mean almost just without the smoking part right so i was looking for pubs in your area right yeah and so i found a place called the man on the moon right and it Mm -hmm. looked like one of those just strip mall type, you know, uh, street facing, but there's only the window on the door and like those tiny windows up top. And it was called the man on the moon. And it had this sign that said probably the best pub in the world. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, I love this place. I love it. Right. (laughs) And so I was like, Oh, are there open mics? And I saw that there's a place called the man on the moon that has open mics that they call it the Friday disco or whatever. And I was like, Oh, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Cause this place looks so shitty and uh, uh, this is everything I want. I just, I just wanted, I wanted like a dive bar near you that I could throw you and have you like do yeah, your... you, 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 you picked a good dive bar. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's I used good. to uh, walk past that, that pub every morning uh, as I was going to catch the bus to go to school oh. and invariably there it, it just always smelt of stale beer mm. and vomit as you walk past every morning delicious that's yeah it's great you know that's that's all you could smell as you walk past that place yes. you, you know and some mornings it was so strong that you would cross the road to stay away from the smell because it was that in your face as you walk past it yeah Yucko bunnies. do you know i actually don't miss that place <laughs> What? Funny, huh? That sounds amazing. <laughs> how could you? How could you? <laughs> That's funny. Oh man, that's great. Oh, that's great. Was I? I love, was the, I... Idea. I love the idea of the drum machine. You know, it's it's uh, it, these drum machines and and the uh, and the sequences and stuff are something that I've I've toyed with the idea of um, getting on many occasions, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know that I've got. A, the justification or be the talent to actually get on and, and do anything with it if I if I had it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I remember we were talking. I wanted to marry the idea of you. You said that you had fancied becoming a drummer, 
Mm-hmm. Right, number one. And then number two, yep. you had mentioned how some alternate thing you might have done is writing scripts. Mm-hmm. Right. So I wanted to put those two together and have you fucking with a drum machine where you were writing scripts for a drum machine, essentially creating synthetic drum grooves. And then from there, that blossomed into like becoming like creating music. It's it, it's kind of weird and cool at the same time, because um, e- even now, uh, my my taste in music, as, as eclectic as it is now, it mm-hmm. still focuses around, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, kraut rock, German electronic music like Kraftwerk and, oh, and the like, I you know, Kraftwerk. so it's, it's uh, quite significant mm-hmm. that you would um, pick me to do that kind of thing, really, in some respects. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I figure like if you would do your love of music as in like you said that was like one of your few hobbies collecting records mm-hmm. yep. so i'm i'm like i'm weighing all of the things that you mentioned like kind of were part of the building blocks of of chris at that age loving music and collecting being into computers fancying being a drummer i'm like okay like what if all of those dominoes fell into the same direction you know and we create this other chris that loves music so he makes it loves computers and so he writes scripts and then loves drumming and he does so then on a drum machine because i feel like logically that makes sense to me knowing all those things like what other ways could you have you know found a creative uh outlet while also like maintaining the other interests that you had mm-hmm. so do you it, it, it's it's interesting to to hear the story because when when you have me walking up to the edge of the stage with my head bowed and everything you know and never and never taking my eyes off the front of the stage or the cracks in the tiles and Mm -hmm. stuff it it, it's it's um it it just reminds me of the very uh introverted and uh self-unassured version of me that i was when i was younger Mm -hmm. yeah i tried to capture that yeah and a good job as well i mean fantastic job I mean, I'm really, really, really overwhelmed with just how amazing it is. Awesome. Did you, um, speaking of music, do you, did you ever listen to uh, Adam and the Ants? Uh, Adam and the Ants was um, actually the, the very first uh, seven inch record that I bought was by Adam and the Ants. Oh, Oh, okay. And yeah, I wrote uh, that uh, down. So okay, so yeah. I, I, it's not that I was guessing and I picked that. No, that was okay. Then that was on purpose because I yeah, see Kings of the Wild it, Frontier in my notes. That, okay. Exactly that one, and it, and it is bizarre because I remember, um, I oh, crikey, I can't remember what age I must have been. I must have been, I think that came out in seventy eight, seventy nine. So I would have been about ten or eleven years old when that mm-hmm. came out. Maybe, maybe even one or two years later than that. Yeah, and and yeah. so. We, we lived in, in New Addington, which was um, a council estate and uh, had a pretty shitty reputation right. um, for violence and, and things and whatever else. But I remember actually getting a bus to go from New Addington into uh, a place called Croydon, which is the, the nearest sort of big town. Now, the Croy- Croydon, at the t- well, Croydon probably still is, but it was the, it was the sort of, second biggest I don't want to say second biggest city outside of London but if you if you lived in or around London if you weren't going shopping 
in central London itself, you'd go to Croydon because that was the next biggest place to go mm. outside of central London for shopping and stuff. And I remember being um, probably not even a, a teenager, still in, in still as a child, my mum allowing me to get on a bus and go into Croydon and just buy that record, which is something you'd never wow. dream of uh, letting your kids do yeah. this day and age, certainly not at that age, you know. Yeah. And interesting, as, as I said to you in our sort of conversation last week, you know, records, vinyl records is a big uh, hobby of mine still. And so Kings of the Wild Frontier was the very first seven inch record. In fact, actually the very first record I bought as a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if have you ever heard of Record Store Day? Yeah. Re- re- yeah. So Record Store Day is this annual event takes place. And the idea behind it is, is that um, limited edition uh, vinyl records or cassettes or whatever it may be get released only through independent uh, retailers to help support them and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it, it must have been probably about three or four years ago that Kings of the Wild Frontier was actually re-released as a Record Store Day uh, oh. special edition. Uh, and it, oh, it it was just so bizarre that the day I picked that up, it was kind of like, you know, 30 or so years down the line, it was like this wow. was very, the very first and now the very last record that I've bought with with uh, this kind of like thirty year gap in between. Wow! It was uh, so bizarre. That's amazing. That's awesome. cool. Sweet. Oh man, yeah. Did you? Um, I mentioned a, a band called Coil. Did you remember them from the like the mid eighties, mid to late eighties? I I can't say that it's that it's a band that I know the name of at all. Okay. Which would yes. be interesting because I'm going to go look them up straight after this. And, yeah. Uh, so see what done. Coil's an interesting band. Um, I was looking for like electronic stuff because I imagine like, okay, mm-hmm. uh, at this point I have you like inspired by that. And so I was looking up British electronic bands from the late 80s uh, to the 90s. Um, and I want to say that they, something interesting about them is they never joined a major label, right? They decided okay. everything we do, we're going to do. They do their own art. They do all their own uh, production, distribution, uh, marketing, everything. Everything was done by them. Uh, Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty darn cool. And so I listened to a bunch of their stuff. Um, It's like very experimental electronic, which is Mm -hmm. cool. And all the art is really like fever dream type stuff. But it... I was really impressed with their stance on wanting to be like the masters of their own domain. And which. Of course, for back then was um, quite some some feat because it's not really until you get to the age of having YouTube and mm-hmm. Facebook and stuff that people really have been able to um, self-promote with any kind of uh, success. Yeah. So for the fact that they're doing this back in the sort of 80s to 90s, really, mm-hmm. is um, oh, it's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So the coil, cool. it was... It was it was fun to 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 read about them to learn about them. I I read about so many like British electronic bands. Um, all <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, in the late eighties, uh, some dude named something Donovan and Kylie Minogue were like the two. Oh, uh, Jason Jason Donovan, <laughs> Jace, yes, Jason Donovan, yeah, Kylie Minogue, yeah, and Kylie Minogue. Those were like the two hot British musicians of the time, and I was like, Whoa. except for except for they're not British. Oh, they're, they're actually no, they're actually Australian. Get uh, out of and here! The, and a pair of them um, <laughs> found fame with a, an Australian soap called Neighbours. 
Ah, and so right. they were kind of like the the teen idol uh, boyfriend girlfriend off of this uh, Australian soap opera TV program. Um, but yeah, I, they they obviously hit it big in the in the UK charts and, yeah. and stuff. In, in fact, actually, I mean Kylie, Kylie Minogue now I think um, she released an album this year, and I think she 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 got some record of, of being the only female to have a number one or a, a top 10 album so many decades consecutively or, or something or so many wow. years consecutively. And, and Jason Donovan kind of went off the radar for a very long time. Mm. Um, Cause he, he obviously started off as an actor in this TV program. Mm-hmm. When the, the pair of them went on and did music together. Mm-hmm. She carried on her music career and then he fell uh, by the wayside after a few um, stage acting performances he kind of got involved in uh heavy narcotics and stuff mm. but over the last um few years has um what quite a number of years now i guess has been has been clean and is back to stage acting and and funnily enough talking about the electronic music he's actually doing stage acting for uh, a musical production of the war of the worlds the hg wells yeah story so there's uh, a musical version of this written by uh, a guy called Jeff Wayne. Hmm. And um, so if ever you, if ever you look up the, I think it was 1977, 78 that he bought out his musical version of the war of the worlds on mm-hmm. a, on a double LP, fantastic score, absolutely phenomenal. And um, Jason Donovan plays one of the major parts in the uh, stage version of this that gets toured every couple of years. Wow. So, uh, yeah, awesome. I've seen him performing that. It's, it's uh, really cool. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. I'm just cool. looking at pictures of men on the moon on the on uh, Google at the moment, trying to find a photograph of that pub. I'm not really sure that I desperately want to see it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I have here, if you, um, if you look up on, like, Google Maps... Um, mm-hmm. for the it, man on the moon and Google maps, it has like a photograph of the place. Um, and like a couple photos from inside or whatever that people post. Oh, um, yeah. but on Google images, it's a different place. It's the, the, okay. the place that's on the, the, uh, like on the, the street corner. Oh, I lied. Interesting. Okay. I lied. So it has two doors. <laughs> it has two doors, apparently. So the two photos that I've been looking at is the one from the corner is like the main one. And then off to the side, it has another door. Yeah, I see banner. that one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that makes way more sense. Because it's like, how are yeah, these two actually, in the same that, area? That's interesting because that, that door hasn't always been there on that uh, side street. Ah, okay. It looks like that's been extended out uh, to the back there. Because where, where the uh, double story of that building mm-hmm. ends on that side street. That's how far it used to go back when gotcha. I was growing up there. So that, that, that bit gotcha. there with the extra door is probably, uh, an addition there since go. I've left. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so can, good. You I can just really tell what a dive that is. Can't you? I mean, oh, that yeah. just looks shocking. Oh, that really yeah. does look shocking. It doesn't yeah. look any better than I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's what, what, what trips me out is, um, how many people I know now that are just so in love with these atrocious dive bars now. Cause like they think they're so cute. Like, Oh, look at it. This is so adorable. I'm like, no, 
this is gross. This is just the walls are painted in sadness, right? So this is this is this was the height of everyone's um, escapism for a long time, and it was no higher than your boots on the ground. So maybe we should yeah. not be here, <laughs> just for the legacy of sadness in this place. You know, like everything's sticky. You know, yeah, the, the beer yeah. is terrible. The, the service is no better, but I mean, at, because that's like by design at this point, like, ah, we've been a terrible neighborhood bar for the last 60 years. Who cares? You know, <laughs> you know when, when you look at the, the picture or the front of this building, mm-hmm. it, the, the, the part that I find interesting there is it says the man on the moon, Courage Fine Ales, established 1787. There's no way that building has been there since 1787. Right. Yes. I mean, that's a 1960s building, if ever I saw one, you know. Yes. Yeah. Technically, yeah. Ours. So uh, technically, this place started in the 60s. This is the one that I was looking at and I was like doing research on. It like started in in the 60s just before like the moon landing. See. And so they were like so happy. And apparently there are like a loads of photos of of moon stuff space stuff yeah in there. i that that i remember but see this this crap about established 1787 new addington didn't even exist in 1787 <laughs> i mean there was uh, an addington village which was uh probably about oh, two or three miles uh south of of new addington that was probably well i mean it, it would have been around in the 1700s right enough but it was like ever such a small village and mm-hmm. it was certainly i mean it might have been that there was a man on the moon bar there but mm-hmm. but you know I, I as sad as it is i don't even really know the history of um pubs and their names and, and even if pubs would have had what is it yeah i mean you wouldn't have had man on the moon in 1787 or would you it would have been the man in the moon surely sure yeah had to be in 17, there's no way because nobody was on the moon. Nobody even thought no. about going to the moon back then. So, hmm. yeah, people were still I on call, horses. I call bullshit on that, really. Yeah, people were still on horses. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> there's no yeah. way. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, man, that's so funny. Uh, it was fun. I'll tell you, it was fun uh, kicking about your old neighborhood looking for yeah. things. I was like doing one of those. Um, uh, I did the the satellite view and then the street view, and I was just like cruising the streets, looking at homes, looking at you know different parts but, of New Addington. <laughs> the whole area is a dive, really, when you look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I, it, it's funny because, like I said to you, uh, I think in our previous uh, part of the chat, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's got such a bad reputation this area, mm-hmm. and yet when I grew up here. I was totally oblivious to it all. Yeah. I mean, I obviously heard stories, but I never saw anything firsthand. And, and although it is a real hole, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have major bad memories of growing up there right enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then that may say something about me and the fact that um, pretty much every school I've been to has been torn down. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. <laughs> in in yeah. fact, actually just around the corner from the man on the moon, there's... Uh, uh, a small roundabout um, and a sort of it almost looks like a semicircular uh, building of houses or flats or something else. That was actually where my very first school stood. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, wow. it's been torn down. My secondary school's been torn down. Dang. Uh, the high school that I went to, that's no longer a school anymore. God damn. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm sort of just sitting here kind of 
following the roads around Google Maps to the kind yeah. of uh, the steps that I used to take to go to school and stuff, you know. Yeah. Oh. It's, um, you know, actually, the, the, the guy that I, I told you about, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew, mm-hmm. um, he actually was best man at our wedding when, mm-hmm. we, when we got married in 1996. And he actually came and stayed in the masonette that I lived in with my mum at the time. Oh, wow. And, um, oh, God, I'm just looking at it now. It's a real shithole. <laughs> <laughs> but I have fond memories of that shithole, you know. Do you know, yeah. it, it's funny that we talk about um, my, lo- <laughs> my love of music and, and uh, wanting to be a drummer and all that kind of stuff, you know. I, 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 I told you I kind of host a, uh, a drive time radio mm-hmm. segment once a week with my son. Yeah. Well, if 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 you sort of like see see the flat that I lived in, I, I had the front bedroom of this flat, and oh my god, how I never got into more trouble with my mum is beyond me because I recall taking a sharp knife, like a, a standing knife or something. And cutting into the plasterboard, or as you call it, drywall, I guess, right. which was on the ceiling. I cut holes in it to actually put wires through it for putting spotlights and all that kind of stuff in my room. You know, I had all these kind of <laughs> disco spotlights in all four corners of the room that would come on when you came in and switched the lights on. I love it. Oh, that's man. hilarious. I used to, uh, yeah, I wrecked that place. Jeez. In, in hindsight, I did wreck that place, and, and how I never got into more trouble than, than I did is just beyond me, really, because, wow. yeah, I did some shit. <laughs> That's great. That's so great. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. The memories. Fun times. Fun times. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. are. I'm glad I'm glad we could go down this little rabbit hole of memories. Uh, was there anything else in the story that impacted you? Um, the the whole story has has kind of um, left me wanting to explore things a little more in in some respects because um, it, it's 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 funny how listening to the story completely with my eyes closed actually I, I kind of I, I picture myself doing things or I could picture the the surroundings of where I am when you're when you're talking to me mm-hmm. and. Um, it's kind of, I guess, kind of rekindled my uh, my interest in in perhaps wanting to venture down this route a little, and I may may end up doing so. Who knows? Awesome. I don't know, but yeah, it's just um, it's just really surreal, but interesting and intriguing to hear someone else talk about what could have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, because we we all daydream, we all kind of have um yeah. moments when we think you know what would have happened if i'd have done this that or the other or, or you know you have daydreams about i'd still like to do something and that kind of thing but mm-hmm. you always you're always doing that from your own in, introspective view right whereas when you hear someone else um come up with a a possible story of what you could have done with your life it's very intriguing and interesting because it, it's not something, you know, we, we we talked about me doing the drumming and all this kind of stuff and, and my love of music, but in all of my um, sort of daydreams and stuff like that, I wouldn't have come up with that story ever. Hmm. So it's really uh, quite fun. Yeah. 
awesome. I like uh, to think it's that a, it's it's fantastic to have been a part of. Oh, wonderful! I'm glad you feel that way. I like to think of myself as that. What is it? One thousandth monkey, a thousand years later. Mm-hmm. They say like if you if you give a thousand monkeys a a typewriter in a thousand years, they'll write a complete novel by accident just by smacking at it. You know. Yeah. So. And, and thank you for calling me a monkey. It's great. That's great. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Oh so, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it was it was fantastic having you be a part of the show. Um, I really am grateful that you were willing to participate, especially because it, I mean we were strangers before any of this. Um, and so being willing to kind of open up and have a conversation and listen to a story, I'm, I'm super grateful. Thank you for. Uh, and yeah, I really appreciate it too. And it, and it's funny because, um, had, had it have not been for that, that chance bullet and board stuff that I did all these years ago, yep. we probably would never have, uh, Ever. crossed paths and I wouldn't have been taking part in this now. So, yep. um, yeah, it's uh, amazing to think just how many things have happened in my life just off of that one, mm-hmm. off of that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It kind of makes you appreciate just silly little things that you've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things that seemed insignificant at the time, really, you know? Yeah. Those are my favorite. Those little bitty things that we Very do cool. or say or think or are motivated by and how crazy the impact are later, later on. You know, so excellent. Mm. Wonderful. Well, thanks there again, everybody, for listening in on today's episode of Other You. I had with me my guest, Chris Millard. Please follow him on Instagram at Richard Mills Official. Beautiful photography. Give him a follow. Um, IMD. It has been a pleasure for Chris. See you next time. Bye bye. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>